we're gonna get this thing rolling. We got a fun topic this evening. Um, wait, wait. I think Bear Droid, yeah. you got like five seconds to derail us. You gonna <laughs> change our topic? <laughs> <laughs> Hello and welcome to Geeks Camp, the home of RPG jargon and general tomfoolery. My name is Zach and I'm joined, as I am always joined, by my co-hosts, pardon me. Uh, you know what, you guys get some extra adjectives for that. Uh, the glorious Dwarven DM, John Christian. Hello glorious. everyone. And uh, Baruch Kazad tonight, how about that? Ooh. Right. I'll use a little and actual intimidated. Mayor of Fort Wayne, Troy Sant. Uh, 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 Brute by Fabergé. <laughs> what? Bear I, Glove I said, by I said what, Old Spice. Yeah, bear glove. I said what you said, didn't I? Yeah. Know what you, you just said? It was perfect. Your inflection was amazing. I thought, I mean, right. I was, I was, really, I was really hoping for it. I had my fingers crossed that you were going to say, like, Kazada Imenu or something like that. But that's fine. That, no, that's we'll, fine. We can work on that for next time. I have had a secret hope ever since we played our Expanse game, Troy, that you would have uh, a Belter greeting locked in the chamber. I never even thought of that. Yeah. <laughs> so, oh, man. Yeah. Well, right. And now I've ruined it because I, I expressed out loud my secret hope. You know, mm-hmm. when you say your wish out loud, it doesn't come true. But um, Or if it does come true, it'll be like, but I told you to do that. So it doesn't mean as yeah, much yeah. now. But that's you know right. what? That's, that's fine. Mm-hmm. I'll go for the, I'll go for the, for the cheapy. Hey, you know what? I have a cool bit of news today. Uh, oh, okay. An article that I think everyone should read. Because um, it's cool. And it's right up our alley. Um, and it's somebody that I think is a really interesting person, really cool person in our industry. Um, some of you probably already done it. I'm going to post a link in chat, uh, but we'll also attach it to this podcast and all that when we go live elsewhere. Um, but uh, Chris Birch, the owner of Modifius Entertainment... Uh, did an interview over at Screen Rant uh, with a fellow named Coleman, and it is really good. Um, it is uh, called Chris Birch Interview, Modifius Entertainment, and How to Make Fun Tabletop Games. And it is a honest-to-goodness interview with a lot of back and forth, a lot of uh, discussion, um, and kind of the interview were... Just letting Chris riff. Um, I got to work with Chris a lot on the uh, Skyrim Kickstarter, and he is super, super nice, super, super smart, and loves games. And I think all of that comes through in this article. Um, He talks about how he grew up in it. He talks about his first Kickstarter, lots and lots of stuff, what types of Kickstarters he's working on now or helping with now. Um, There's a lot there. Uh, That's cool. I I would recommend reading it. I think you're really going to like it. I'll have, to, I'll have to check that out. That's yeah, pretty cool. That's great. It's cool to see. Let me ask you this. When you read the interview, yeah, was there any difference between Chris in the interview versus the Chris that you worked with? No, I don't think so. Like, that's great. Like, that's what you hope for. And that's kind of what I was – I mean, I telegraphed that in, in the hopes that you would say yes, but I mean – yeah. And I, I think that. it's far enough now away from the project that I can say this and it doesn't feel like a pitch, but like, um, I was really impressed. Like Chris was out there, like, like knocking on doors, you know, shaking babies and kissing hands, like the whole, right 
the whole uh, 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 game found campaign, right? He was, I mean, I don't know how many times, not only was he actually like putting himself out there and saying, hey, no matter how big you are, whatever, if you want to talk to me, if you want to do an interview, if you want me to do a playthrough, all this stuff, I'm available. Like he really was, he made himself an asset for, you know, streamers and, and YouTubers to kind of pick up. And that was really cool because what it meant is that you saw this, the owner of the company being really, really, really excited about a game that his company was making and he knew how to play it and he was personable and all that. And that was like really cool. And then what was funny is he would do all these interviews and he would help me and help the rest of the team on the back end with, with the, with the campaign. And then he was helping with project management and that was just on just this little project. But then he would be like, Oh, it's Saturday and I'm going to go, do a live stream solo play of the Skyrim game um, on Facebook live because I enjoy the game and maybe it'll get a few more looks at it. And I like hanging out with the people and like he did that on his own, not with anybody pushing him or anything. So it, it really, he really won me over. And I think you'll get that same sort of like enthusiasm in this article. So you know what though, not to bring up, you know, other topics, but that's what you look for. You want somebody that's passionate about, about what they're Mm -hmm. putting into it. Right. It doesn't come off as it comes off as sincere and genuine. And so whenever they're excited about it, well, there's gotta be a reason why they're excited about it. They're spending their own personal time on it. It motivates the people that the other people that are creating it. And then it motivates the people that aren't really sure if they're on the fence or not. They see that same passion and then they get excited about it too. It's infectious. I love that. Mm -hmm. One thing that I love that he said, this is uh, the last thing and then I'll leave it alone. Uh, but he talked about why they built the 2D20 system. Two reasons. The first reason was the was an honest reason, and it's it's a great it was a great statement. But uh, he said, "Here's the deal. Our first Kickstarter, we did Action Cthulhu. We had the license to do Call of Cthulhu rule set, and we had the license to do Savage Worlds. We made those, and people loved them, and we made good money on it. But the numbers say that for every uh, expansion book, like." action Cthulhu out there that is sold five of the core rule books are sold it's mm. a five mm. to one on on expansion material he said it like we were just praying that more people went out and bought call of Cthulhu core books because that's the only audience that was going to buy ours right and he's like that's not a good you know you're basically chaining yourself to somebody else. I don't want to put words yeah. in his mouth. You can read the article, but it was a really, um, that was really interesting. And then he said, the other thing was not that he, he said uh, in, or later in the article that he, you know, he's not saying that he reinvented the wheel or, or invented the wheel. Um, but, uh, he wanted a system to where you could describe the cool thing, whatever you wanted to describe. I think the example he had was like, I leap off this bridge and I land on top of this guy and I stab him. Mm-hmm. And that there, he's like, I wanted a system that you could describe exactly what you wanted to do. And the DM wasn't going to be like, oh, well, you, you know, really, you're going to take fall damage. And, uh, you know, then you got to, he's like, I, I wanted it to actually, you, you could try to do that thing. Mm-hmm. And there was just a difficulty test for that thing. And you've, um, you've run it more than we have. Obviously, we have or played it more than we have, but you feel like that's, I've, from what little bit of it that we did play, yeah. even that it feels like you got that. Right. That yeah. It's, I mean, it's, you're not you're not beholden to like particular feats, maneuvers, powers, or anything like that. That there's a little bit more. 
you have more agency in the theatrics of yes. what you want to do. Yeah, it's not a perfect system, but what it really does well is condense down as a DM. When a player says that they want to do something, by and large, what I'm thinking of is on a scale of one to five, how difficult is it? Mm. There's a few other things that play into that, but that's basically the thing I have to answer, right? Oh, you want to do that? Uh, difficulty three. Go for it. Mm-hmm. Um, that's at least the starting point every single time. And I think in that regard, they did they did a good job. Anyhow, that's my news. Do you guys have any other news? I, I got nothing so. this time around. Nothing. Okay. Pretty quiet. I think I think I did, and then I forgot it. <laughs> well, <laughs> all right then. I was I was Move working on. I was working on the trash issue for Ulysses, mm. and uh, mm. yeah, I just forgot it. Hey, well done. Uh, so tonight, uh, I think John, did you bring up this topic again? John has been a a veritable font of topic ideas. Uh, John has been full of them mm. lately. Well, I'm full of it. That is for sure. That's I, I said up them. To, up to the brim. Uh, the, it, it and them. It's, it's not it. that we ever come to the table and are like, ah, we don't know. We are not. We don't have anything to talk about. But whenever we pose like, hey, what are we going to talk about in the next week or whatever? Troy might throw out something. I might throw out something. And then John like, like Blech. drops the cornucopia, <laughs> yeah. right? In true John fashion, <laughs> it is a vomitous mass of words. <laughs> that I yeah, they're there. good. Like I think we, I think we were a thumbs up on like five out of six this I, last yeah, time I, around. Yeah, I'm about to say, I think I had a pretty yeah. good like hit record this time around. Like, yeah, I think, I think the, them, the so sixth one excited. we said no to just because. We already technically, done we'd already we'd already <laughs> done it before. <laughs> yeah, technically, that's awesome. We want to do that again. Uh, why not? They find a way of sneaking it back in. Reboots um, and, and redos, oh, we're gonna baby. we're gonna we're gonna just not the same, just not the same specific. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So tonight, the topic that John chose for us is riffing on your players, mm-hmm. right? On um, or off, either off, one. Off your players, either yeah. way. Yeah. Either yeah. way is fine. However, way you can get it done. That's right. Uh, which we think, which I thought was a really cool topic. Um, it's, this really is a discussion for GMs, but maybe maybe if you're a player and listening to this, um, you'll get some insight into how you can encourage or inspire mm-hmm. your GM to uh, uh, do the same. And and yeah, uh, you, you beat me to it, right? Okay. The, the, from the Fair player enough. from the player angle, yes. Like this, let this let this be an encouragement to your to your GM, DM, or otherwise. That not only can you do this, it's not system uh, system specific. You could do this anywhere and any any time, and it's already it's already bled over into some of the other the games that I've run uh, recently. Mm. When I started really really opening it up and riffing off of my players more and more, oh, yeah. I, I have I have controlled the narrative less and less, and I've really really enjoyed it. It's been great. I love that. I love it. Um, yeah, I, I like to me this isn't like this is less of a bullet point topic and more mm-hmm. of a like you know just have at it sort of a discussion because um uh as I think about it like I don't have points to make here mm-hmm. other than the one I just made I guess but like what I really want to just talk about is like that that there's opportunities here mm-hmm. right? and looking for them um and it's really in my mind different mindset that you can approach the table yes. with. I can, what I can probably do is I can, I may be able to help get the ball rolling with where, 
where yeah. I came from with it, right? And wh- where the why this topic in particular was timely to me. Perfect. And okay. I've talked a lot about Tales from the Loop lately. And I think one of the things yeah. that it's not just Tales from the Loop or Free League or Year Zero Inch or anything like that I loved about it. What I've really, really, really loved about those sessions is how much riffing happened. Mm. And part of it is like I come from like a the traditionalist mindset of D D that whenever it was whenever it was taught to me and whenever we first played it, the, the dungeon master was the god of the table. <laughs> and they yeah. had 90% agency over the narrative and the story and the tempo and the rhythm and the this, that, and the other thing, right? And they were the, like they were the rails by which mm-hmm. our cart rolled upon. And we had like 10% of variance that we could kind of mm-hmm. get away with. And that was like mm-hmm. the tradition that was passed on, right? It's like whenever you're sitting yeah. around the fire and the hunter-gatherers are teaching you which berries you should and shouldn't eat, right? And which leaves you should wipe your butt with and which ones you shouldn't, right? So, yes, Troy. I never yeah, got that Troy. lesson. I got to, that lesson. I, I Those Boy got, Scouts, though. Okay. Yep. Leaves of three, leave them be. That was the that was the rule. Yep. Okay. Uh, yep. So, uh, but anyway, <laughs> derailed already. You're welcome. Uh Yep, life lessons. Uh, no, but uh, the thing that I really I love the most about those sessions, though, is there's a the the it is beautifully crafted in the Tales from the Loop book how they encourage. I mean, it's it's in. I mean, it's in the material. Is like you don't own all of it, and you're going to have more fun the less that you try to own and try to cling to. They and they write the write it out for the GM and for the player both this like the explanation of what role playing in a session looks like from the perspective of someone who's never done it before which is not unheard of right with with a lot of the other core rule books mm-hmm. they try to look at it from that perspective but they don't look at it from the traditional view of what the lore master game master dungeon master should do and so i don't know what was a whole lot different about this approach or what i read or anything like that but it was one of those things where i'd been trying to challenge myself more to do more improv, less prep, mm. when it, and less kind of like every single possible thread and permutation of what could happen in a story and making sure I was completely prepared for everything and just going in and being willing to see what happened. And then mm-hmm. and telling – what's that? Are you having a midlife crisis or something? I am, but it's the best kind, man. It's it's a it's a whole new world, man. It's 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 yellow Ferraris and and uh, and hair plugs from here until <laughs> until doomsday. But no, it's it is it was it was great. Like so, what ended up happening was I sat down with my usual play group and I said, "Hey, I'm running tales from the loop for uh, for the community, and I don't want to screw it up too bad." And in true John fashion, I have to do a run through, a dry run of something or super prep it in order to feel comfortable with it. But what ended up happening was I ran it for them. I told them at the very beginning, like the, the way that tells from the loop is supposed to work is that we all literally have an equal share in this. So if there are five players, I own only 20% of the story and you own the other 20 and so on and so mm. forth, mm. man, this, my play group, my regular group is D and D through and through. Right. I've tried to encourage them to play other stuff and they would, they just, they're not interested. Tales from the Loop, I think they got interested in it. We talked about this before. They got interested in it because of the themes and the 80s vibes and nostalgia and stuff like that. But what they loved about it was how much freedom they had in deciding things. And then whenever, and what they would happen, what would happen, I thought for sure when we were, 
when we were doing this, when we were doing it, that they would be like, there would be a lot of dead space and dead air and they oh. wouldn't know exactly what to do. You, but what I, go ahead. Yeah, go for it. Sorry. I'm, I'm going to make a note, dead space. I'll come back yeah. to that. Yeah. Gotcha. <laughs> but what would happen is I would say whenever things would, it would happen, that would happen, right? I would say, okay. And so, and so, and such and such happens. And then what do you guys want to do? And you know, you're waiting for that. Just like deer caught in the headlights. Look, or cow looking at an oncoming train. I don't know what to do next. So what I did is I said, what's Sorry, up, Zach? I got to interrupt. I got to interrupt. Now I got to interrupt. Uh, yep, I see that. Live update. Live update. <laughs> Come live to you live. Update. I, I uh, seen it. We got we to mark this down in history, right? Like this is a recording. Just got a message from Andrew uh, Hindenburg, our fine feather DM friend, that he is TPKing his witch like group as we speak. His <gasps> as we speak. Ever. First time oh, we speak. This is- Oh, I love I love that we're here doing this and that we're recording this right now for posterity. Let That's it right. be known. That's, so let it be yeah. written. So let it be done. Right? Yeah. All right. So anyhow, we can move on. But no, uh, no it's excellent. That's a, that's a, that's an excellent excellent interjection. Um, yeah. So anyway, so what ended up happening is uh, whenever that happened, I I gave them assurances and kind of repeated it over and over again. Like, look, I don't own this. Okay, so it's okay for you to tell me that it like. Like, uh, where's your hideout at? Well, it's in an arcade. Okay. Well, tell me more about that. And then what ended up happening was we made it up together. Like, it, it, mm-hmm. like everybody owned it. Okay. Well, it's, a, it's an arcade. And uh, was, well, then who owns the arcade? And then they would say, well, it's this guy. And I'm like, well, what if he had, he was like this, like a, a, uh, like a, a hippy dippy sort, but he's trying out capitalism for the first time by having like a, like an arcade and owning it and trying to make some money off of it. But he's really mm. terrible at it. And they were like, Oh man, I love that. And what if we did this? And so what mm-hmm. it turned into was like this collaborative project of like building everything out. And I swear to God, we got through like 10% of the adventure because like the, we, there was like an, a, an unexpected uh, session zero where like every single bit they get to the high school and then this happens and then this beat happens. So like, I want my, I'm riding around a Camaro. What if you're riding around a Camaro and your tape deck, you're listening to like this, like Ario Speedwagon or something like that. <laughs> oh yeah, totally. Well, and if I'm, I'm we're just an Ario Speedwagon. Well, then you gotta be wearing like a denim, a denim jacket with a bunch of patches all over it and a couple of like baby pins and stuff like that, or diaper pins and stuff like that. And it was, it was, it was amazing. And it, yeah. and it was, and it's, we've, but we've done uh, Tales from the Loop four times, four sessions, and they haven't been as like it, has, it hasn't taken up that much of the story since then. But like it really did become that's just the way that we play it now. Yeah. And now when we when we go back recently, well, this last Friday we played a D and D game, and I just couldn't help myself where I was like, I kind of want to tap into that here too. Well, mm-hmm. you know, you're in this town. And here's a person. What if there's somebody else that's in there that's X Y Z? What do you guys think mm-hmm. about that? And then let them mm-hmm. let them build. They built the town mm-hmm. as it was like they were cobbling it together. I had notes on what the town was supposed to be, but the they more that they cobbled it together, the more they loved the town. And then they yeah. the NPC that they helped generate is the one that they were the most attracted yeah. oh, to yeah. as players. You know, for sure. But anyway, I, so that's a long that's a long kind yeah, of yeah. like intro to it. But that's where it came from. And man, I cannot. I can't begin to tell you how absolutely liberating it is to engage oh, my players yeah. more from, from a creative standpoint, not necessarily just like, all right, punch your ticket. You must be this tall to ride the ride. All right, get in and buckle up. Here we go. You know? 
Yeah. Ulysses just posted um, a statement that I thought was really good. Um, actually, a quote. He said, reading through the One Ring Core Rulebook, they described the lore master's role as ripping off player choices. Quote, uh, one should never forget that the player heroes are the protagonists, and I'm going to emphasize, of their story. Hmm. And their choices must always produce tangible effects in the game world. I really like that because the emphasis is on their, not the story, not your mm-hmm. story, but their story. Um, uh, uh, yeah, I think there's two things that I think have really affected, two games that have really affected my, maybe a third is sneaking up on it, but two especially have really affected my GMing in the past six months. The first one is Alien. Mm. And Alien affected my combat preparation. Because Alien, all the enemies, everything that I have to run, I cannot prep at all. Because Mm. every action that they do in combat is random. It's a roll of the dice. Mm. And what that does is, you know, in in D&D, I'm always thinking about like, and and maybe it's a flaw of D&D, but maybe it was a flaw in Zach. Um, that I'm like, all right, well, I ha- they're going to do this ability, and then they're going to cast this spell, and then they're going to do this, and then they're going to hit them with the big whammy, and then they're probably going to be almost dead at that point, so they're going to pop this. Like, it's a, it's a chain, mm-hmm. and I prepped yep. it, and I, I'm open to changes, but I kind of wrote a script, mm-hmm. at least for my starting point, right? Right. And with Alien, you can't write a script. There's no script. You just got to, whatever happens, happens, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that one really fiddled with me because I love the requirement then of an Alien, the improv of, all right, so you rolled Leaping Attack. Describe that. <laughs> Figure out how yeah. that works. They're already on this person, right? They're already like locked down. The Alien's on top of the person. They're on the ground prone. And then they roll Leaping Attack. Well, what does that look like? Well, maybe mm-hmm. it looks like they... You know, you shove them off and they like, you shove the alien off and it like leaps onto the wall and then onto the ceiling and then drops back down onto you, right? Like, mm-hmm. maybe that's the answer. But we got to find out something. And it's up to me to figure out how that is. That's my job in this is to figure out what this randomness means. So um, that that's the, the, the game communicating or riffing off the game's rules. But mm-hmm. Dune is where I really felt like the player side of things. Um, riffing off of it really got jump started um Mm -hmm. ulysses is in chat and he's one of the players so so uh if he if i'm saying something wrong he can he can yell and we and you guys can bring it up um but when i built that uh campaign or when we started that dune campaign i had zero things prepped right when we did session zero i knew nothing i had no idea what was going to happen all i knew was the year in which they were going to show up on arrakis Mm-hmm. They built their they built their house. They built their com- competitor house. I took that information. They took they built some of the NPCs for the competitor house. I took that information. They built their their own house NPCs. I took that information, and I basically just you know like like little wind up toys started turning all those things on right. And then the next session, they would make choices about how their house would act or respond or you know, what their plans were. And I would say, okay, here's, that's another windup toy. Let's set that one going. And I really felt like my, my only job was to watch all the windup toys. And when they started colliding, finally, my job is to raise attention when they, when they, when they came into contact. But, um, it was, I'm going to say 10 sessions in before I really had an idea 
for how this story might go from here. Right? Mm. Everything else was like, I'm showing up just like a player. I'm going to learn right alongside with you guys how this is going to work. Um, you're telling me your plans, and all I'm doing is facilitating the roles that see if your plans succeed. Right. Um, that was no, really I, interesting. I, I, I think cool. that's one of the things that's fascinating about what you mentioned too is about the about introducing more randomness. I know that's probably a separate topic all in and of itself, but I'll stick on that. Uh, I've, I've had that that's incorporated in, in Tales from the Loop also, where it's like this random thing happens. Now you have to explain how it happened. I I, I told the, the group whenever they were trying to sneak back home and into their beds or whatever. I think I told two of them that at this. I told them at this point it's like you can have trouble if you want to have trouble. I'm. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not going to tell, I'm not going to randomly roll or anything like that, but I'm going to let you decide since everything went so well with this other thing and you really didn't have any problems. Do you want some trouble? And what, and then oh. what kind of, what kind of trouble is it going to be? Well, we were trying to sneak back into our houses and then something happens, but they didn't know exactly they couldn't agree on what they wanted the thing to be that happened. So I said, I'll tell you what, let's roll randomly that if it's this thing, then this happens. And then if it's the, if it's this number, then it's something else. And then we'll just go with whatever it is, right? Mm-hmm. Introducing that forced all of us to use that muscle mm-hmm. even further. And like introducing that randomness, it forced us to figure out how the, to make the pieces fit. And oh, it was great. So I like, I wanted to make sure that I kudos mm-hmm. on, on, on not being That's too terrified cool. of randomness in your games too. Well, and you had said something earlier, what I, which is what I jumped on, which is now my approach to the Dune game, especially. And and there's, I'll I'll have other examples from time to time, I'm sure. But like, Dead Space, you said Dead Space, mm-hmm. and I really try to keep in my mind my job in Dune, especially, is to fill the dead space. Mm. Otherwise, I don't have a job. Right, my job is to record, <laughs> take notes, and say, oh, oh. Oh, you, maybe they forgot about this little toy mm-hmm. that they had running over here. But I, I have a note about that. So what they just did collides with this toy. Cool. We'll just put that over to the side. But I'm not there to do anything other than record until there is a space where nobody fe- is really sure what they want to do next. Or the party, like you said, can't agree mm-hmm. or can't quite. Cl- then it's my job to say, all right, let's 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 get ourselves out of this rut or let's get ourselves some more momentum here. Let me mm-hmm. create something for you to engage with again. Yeah. Um, or sometimes the players even they incite something. You know what I mean? Like the, it's like you can tell. Some, like with my group, I could tell that there were one or two of them that were not necessarily trolling the story, but they were they were like, "I want something to happen here." I could tell that that was coming up, mm-hmm. and I would I would stick to that. It's like, all right, so so and so, you're in the back of the van, and like. Is there anything that you wanted to kind of like look at or try while you're in here? Because I can kind of tell that the wheels are turning right now. What, what are you thinking? Oh, well, I want to do this. It's funny that you mentioned that. Or sometimes they'll do something like, uh, what was it? Is there any, they'll tell me things like, is there anything in here that shouldn't be in here? Or is there anything in here, like some kind of contraband or something that I, I as, a, as a kid should not have my hands on? I'm like, this kid should not have a firearm. There's a firearm in the van now, right? Where it's like, <laughs> oh, and what they did, but that thing, that that like adding the firearm into it, it heightened the tension of the moment 
because now the stakes are higher. Do they open and the glove it, box and it does like the revolver falls out? Is that the situation? It was well, they were they were crawling around inside of the van, and then he looked, and it's, it was wedged between the driver's seat and like yes. the the center yeah. console. And uh, yeah. and so I'm like, when you come when you come out from the back of the van and you look around, you see it right there. You see a, a revolver that's down there. What do you want to do? He goes, Oh, I want to take it. And I'm thinking, there's no rules for guns at all in Tales from the Loop, so whatever. I mean, it is like because you're a kid, you're not supposed to be able to have your hands on on that kind of stuff anyway. But like that, all that did is it created this splinter of hilarity and fun from just that. Like, I know you want to cause trouble right now. You want something like this to be injected into the game. I Mm -hmm. I I recognize that. Let's. Let's let's explore that together, right? That and I think that's what it is: is it's exploration of a of a different kind between the between myself and them. We're not explore, exploring a space; we're exploring the possibilities in within the story together mm-hmm. in those moments. Right Troy, what about you, man? Have you uh, what's your what's your experience with riffing off of players? Uh, well, I've got I've got two examples, um, and actually they're they're old examples. I mean, I've done I've done it. Uh, recently i've kind of done what you're talking about um in my dnd um where i would you know they go to into a town it's like well we want to go check out the tavern okay you get to the tavern well what's it called i don't know you're the one reading the sign what's it say mm-hmm. uh uh what do you mean it's like well what's on the, what's on the sign is it is it is it words is it a picture what is it and uh, it's like a it's like a uh, I don't know, like a cauldron. Okay, what color is it? Blue. You're going to a tavern called the Blue Cauldron? Okay, sure. That's what it's called? Well, yeah, that's why would what you, you do said that? it's called. Yeah, why would you do that? It's like it's you walk tavern. in, it's like, you, you walk in and it's like, well, well, who's in here? It's like, I don't know, who do you see? What do you, what do you, what do you, what do you, what do you see? What do you notice? Um, and if they hesitate at all, it's like, well, there's a gnome. There's a gnome over at that table. What's he doing? Mm-hmm. I don't know. What is he doing? And they're like, Who's he sitting with? Yeah, it's like, uh, right. why are you doing this? It's like because I want you, I want to know what you want to see, mm-hmm. you know, and and let them kind of fill out and you know it and it kind of sometimes it ends up biting them on the butt, you know. Well, who owns the tavern? Oh, it's a half work. Okay, cool. Um, is he grumpy? What is it? You know. And then they tell me that he's he's grumpy and blah blah blah. So now they have to contend with this grumpy half orc that has the information mm-hmm. that they need. But you know, had they said, "Oh, he's a real affable, happy-go-lucky, you know, person," it would have been made their lives so much easier. But they kind of hose mm-hmm. themselves by making him grumpy. But when I first was introduced to the idea of riffing, it was oh man, I was probably I was a lot like John was used to here's what you're supposed to do. Here's what the characters mm-hmm. are supposed to do. Now get on your rails and roll. Mm-hmm. Um, I was probably about 19 and both of these stories are with the same DM. And he sets up this campaign. We're first level adventures. It's, I want to say this is second edition. And we go do a job for a, uh, a wizard we come back to the wizard's uh, tower and we're waiting for the wizard to show up and we're there with his, uh, I guess, manservant kind of person. And he made the cardinal mistake 
of describing one thing too well. Yes. And it was an orb on a pedestal off in the corner. It's like, well, what's it look like? And, you know, he kept describing it. And it, he ended up basically saying it's a dragon orb. And we were like, well, what the hell's, what the hell's a dragon orb? And he, and now he we know was what the story's like, about. Yeah, he was like, I, I don't know. I don't know. And we convinced ourselves that this wizard was going to, you know, what the job we just did was a tryout. And we were going to be sent out to find the other dragon orbs because one of us rolled some kind of a check of some kind. Or maybe had read something somewhere, I don't know, but knew there was like nine dragon orbs or something out there. Hmm. And so we were sure and we we were we knew that they were evil, and if this guy got all nine of them, that you know it would be bad. And so when he came back, we jumped him <laughs> and, and killed him. Of course you did. And and so and we took the dragon orb. And we, we, we took off, and the, unfortunately, the campaign ended like uh, two sessions later because a bunch of people had, you know, uh, had moved away or went back to school or something like that. So it was like, so man, what was the deal with those dragon orbs? He's like, I don't I have no idea. Right. <laughs> he's like, <laughs> no clue. He, he's like, literally, the, the wizard was a good guy. He was there to be your patron to send you out on stuff, but you guys convinced yourself that these dragon orbs were the thing. And so I just went with it. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. So we were going to go travel all around and find these dragon orbs. So that was, that was like, man, I'd never, I never thought about doing that. The second one, the second, oh, go ahead. You know, I was going to ask, do you feel like whenever you're, when you've, you've done that, like you were talking about, you gave the tavern ex- uh, example. Mm-hmm. Do, do you feel like there's a different, like, your players are not equally invested in that level of freedom. Yes. Do you like think that maybe like some of them are like super into it. Some of them are not. And you kind of like, is there a, do you have to start doing a balancing act with them or how do you usually yeah, handle that? I, I do. Um, I feel like if you get, if you get the one or two players that you know, will will always provide you with something. You get them to say it first, you know, Oh, mm-hmm. you know, there's a, there's a cauldron on the, on the sign. Okay you point to somebody else that doesn't talk very mm-hmm. often. What color is the cauldron? Mm-hmm. Blue. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it's, a, it's the blue cauldron or, you know, Bill, uh, who's behind the bar. What, what race is mm-hmm. the person behind the bar, male or female? Mm-hmm. Or can you tell, you know, and, and you kind of feel like, do you feel like, cause for me in, with, in my experience, Zach, and I'll, I want to get your, yeah, yeah. your input too. And I want to go back to the second one, by the way, Troy, I haven't, I haven't forgotten about that. Yeah. I'm not completely derailing, but do you notice that at first there's like a certain level of timidity mm-hmm. where they're like, I don't know how I feel about this. And then the, the more that they do it, it kind of snowballs and then they're really, really into it. Or do you like for me, at least with my group and like this, the couple of groups that I've done this with, it's been like that where there's like a certain level of momentum that you have to yep. get with them. Like it's okay. Like no, really, yeah. this is not a trick. We're going to do this. And if you're interested, if you're like, if you're, if this is cool with you, then I think we could, I think this is a really cool style of play that we could, we could enjoy. And so it kind of exactly. took like a certain level of trust 
in not being like their ideas were not stupid or silly or whatever. And what I was worried about is them like if going turning into just a like a a joke, you know, mm-hmm. like yeah, and and not and, and not being like not that it has to be serious, but I don't also don't want it to be. You don't want a joke, it to be a running you know? a running poop and fart joke. Well, exactly. you know why? You know why I think you felt that way. Let me let me take a stab. Right, mm-hmm. I think that players joke default to joking most of the time as a way because comedy is the default. Mm-hmm. When you're trying to make something happy or happen, and you don't have, you don't feel a lot of control mm. otherwise, right? Yeah. Well, I can't, you know, I walk into this bar and, you know, this one of our players is really chatting up with the bartender, which, which is what we're supposed to be doing. There's nothing else in this place for me to do. So I'm going to A, pick a fight. Yep. Right. Or B, I'm going to do some, I'm going to make, jokes while i'm here Mm -hmm. right um because i can't do anything else right i have no agency on this scene and there's nothing else for me to there's nothing i can't conjure it the gm hasn't conjured it thus my d my the only tools in my arsenal are violence and comedy (laughs) (laughs) yeah violence and poop jokes yeah Yeah, I I, i think part of it is also not relying on the same person to 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 paint the picture Mm-hmm. You know, because if you know, you don't want to, you don't want to push the button. You know, you don't want to spam that button on the same person all the time because it's like you know, hey, I, I'm just here to, I'm just here to play, and you're putting all this on me. Nobody else is getting to have a say. So if you kind of mm-hmm. like, you let a couple people volunteer information, and then you start, like I said, you start calling on the people, or even giving yeah. guidance to them. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you say, here's. Like you said, there's a gnome sitting there. What's the gnome look like? Mm-hmm. You know, and the, you, you kind the of other just thing, guide them down the path. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think you said the guidance and the guiding down the path. One of the things that I think about a lot when you talk about riffing, I think a lot of times the best riffing comes when we're all on the same page, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. And one of the big things that I've realized, and it's not an intentional realization, but it's like a after the fact an understanding, right? Is that some of these games that I'm doing that aren't D and D right now, but I'll even say, I'll, I'll have a D and D example here in a moment, but like some of these games that aren't D and D right now, the riffing comes really easy. And I think part of that is because let's use Morkborg as an example. We all know what we signed up for when we came to Morkborg, right? Like mm-hmm. there's not a disconnect between any player and myself for what's supposed to happen here and what the feel is and what the, you know, the atmosphere of the game. So when they riff, it's probably in line with me. They have some confidence that, you know, if I, if I, you know, <laughs> if I describe a weapon that I have as, whatever that's cool grotesque that's great when i describe uh, you know when i want to embellish or when a player wants to embellish you know this trash pile they know that that's great it's going to work because we're mm-hmm. all in the same thing yeah craig's saying theme is death and more pork so we all kind of know <laughs> that yeah um uh i think that a lot of the difficulty of riffing and even like you said like you're talking about Troy, when, when players hesitate to riff or, or don't really know, sometimes I think maybe not in your example, that, that seems a little bit different, but sometimes it's because they don't know what's the, yeah, what's what, the what, genre that we're doing here. Right. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and or, or where are the bumpers? Where where can I go? Where's the where's the well, that's, and that's what was really not to tell anybody else how they have to do it, but how it worked out really well with me was there was a table contract effectively that I put in place at the beginning of the session that said, "Hey, this is the way that we're we're going to try this out today." This uh, in this session, it wasn't one of those things where I sprung it on them. They mm-hmm. they knew it was coming, so that whenever I did call on them or I started probing for their input. There mm-hmm. was a, more of a natural inclination to to engage with it and be involved with it instead of it being instead of them feeling like they were being put on the spot. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that's something that you would normally have as part of like a, a session zero type thing, right? Like this is the way that we're going to play the yep. game at the table or whatever, yep. right? And this is a- one of those like, it, but in, and that's actually I think that's a, an important thing to say about session zeros is that session zeros are not all, always the 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 singular arbiter about how the game is going to end up being run. You may end up getting 10 sessions in and then saying, Hey, this is about to take a really dark turn. And we're going to do this. We're going to, we're going to zig whenever you thought we were going to sag. Is everybody cool with that before we kind of move on? Excellent. Here we go. This is going to yeah. go Morkborg, you know, instead of being forgotten realms or something like that, you know, the, uh, the best games that I have, uh, one of the best, that I felt like the players and I just really connected for D&D was in my home game of Eberron uh, with my with my local crew because when I pitched Eberron to them, in my mind, I knew what the AL track was and that you're around Salvation a lot and the Mornlands. Mm-hmm. And so what I did was I said, Eberron is fantasy in a Western setting. Mm-hmm. Right? That was my pitch for it, right? And... They built characters based off that. I reinforced that in the first few episodes, our first few sessions. You know, they're in Salvation. You have Tubbleweed blowing through town, like whatever, right? Like whatever Western tropes I wanted to, I just kind of like tucked into the corners. And all of a sudden, everybody knew the themes, right? Mm -hmm. They knew how these stories go. They know what sorts of characters they should be. They know what sorts of, they they understand that there's going to be white hats and black hats or whatever, right? Like, um, it was so smooth in my opinion. Um, and they just kind of like collapsed down into the narrative and we all kind of just got to soak in that, uh, because we'd kind of established, we had inadvertently maybe communicated a, a, a framework that we all agreed on and knew where to go with. Um, mm-hmm. so yeah, I like that. really fascinating. It's not something that I, I really, I, I had no idea when I, did that that's what i was doing but it, it definitely super super helped because i definitely mm-hmm. have had D campaigns where i've left session zero or session one and been like that party i don't know like they're they're all excited to play but i have no idea what story we're going to be telling right mm-hmm. like yeah yeah all right um, troy give us that second story okay the second story goes back to something that I don't remember which one of you said it, but you know, because the, the the topic is basically game masters riffing off their players, right? That's what mm-hmm. my first yeah. story was. It was the game master just like letting us feed him what the campaign was going to be. Um, and then the second part is players riffing off the DM. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, if, if, a, if the DM is open to it, it can be a lot of fun. Um, like I said, same same game master, uh, different campaign, still I believe D and D. 
he didn't really know where he was going to go. And again, we didn't know that, Mm. but we got, we got pulled into like this pocket hell kind of thing where the, you know, a a demon had created it and it pulled us in and he was like, here, here's this, this demon comes out and, and looks at me and he, he points Mm. his finger and he says my character's name. And I'm like, uh, does he know me? He's like, well, he seems to know you. He knows your name. I'm like, does he look familiar? Do I know this particular demon? He goes, you do. You've, 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 you've known this demon very well in your, in your past. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, and we were, and we were looking for some kind of a crown and he, this demon had, had the crown on his head. And I just, I'm like, all right, here we go. And I stood up and I was like, oh, Zarathos, so you're the one that's behind all this. And right. it was like, everybody at the table was like, you know who this is? And I'm like, yes. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. And uh, bonus points for anybody that knows where that name came from, by the way. Um, and I just started coming up, you know, I just started saying anything that I could think of, like, uh, you know, when, when last, you know, when I left you last, you know, blah, blah, blah. And he was riffing off of what I was saying and I was riffing off what he was saying. And it just kept going back and forth and back and forth. And everything kind of went out the window. All the rest of the players were like, just what the heck is going on? And I don't know if I told you this story before or not, but we had a, uh, one of our players was uh, going to college and uh, going to seminary. While hmm. while I'm talking to this demon, this demon is talking to me. It freaked the guy out so bad. He got up from the table, <laughs> walked in the corner, and started reciting rosary. <laughs> it just it was it was like people are like looking at him, and I'm looking at the DM, and the DMs, everybody's looking. I was like, what is Should've going that on? Session zero. Yeah, and and people are just freaking out. <laughs> And turns out we, you know, because because his mom had brought us down food, we had styrofoam plates. He he quickly like ripped the middle out of a styrofoam plate, and that was the crown. And he's holding the crown like, "Is this what you want?" And it's like, "Yes." And I grabbed the crown, and we're like standing there, no dice rolls, no nothing. We're just completely mm-hmm. riffing off of each other. And then he like pulls back, and the in the the plate, the the paper plate breaks apart, and. And that kind of fed the campaign, that whole mm. scenario. And we got done. It was we we played for like eight hours that that weekend. Mm. Got done, and I'm we're sitting there, just just he and I talking afterwards. Like, man, how'd you come up with all that? Where, where'd you what, what what adventure are you running? He's like, I'm not. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what was going on. I knew I knew the crown, and. I knew everybody else just seemed kind of like they were getting really tired, but you still seemed awake. So I decided to pick on you and see what happened. <laughs> <laughs> That's what wow. it is. You know, if, uh, if you want to be, in, uh, be involved, don't fall asleep. 
Yeah, don't fall asleep. <laughs> and so yeah, and uh, yeah, I just happened to pull pull that uh, uh, Zarathos name out of my butt. And uh, since nobody, I'm really disappointed that nobody nobody commented. Um, that is the demon that uh, gives Ghost Rider his powers. It is. Oh. Yeah, and uh, Johnny Blaze, and, and nobody else knew that at the table, so they're just like. Did you guys have this figured out beforehand? <laughs> yeah. No. We we knew. I knew. I knew what was going on. I, why didn't you guys know what was going on? But yeah, it was absolutely a blast. And I haven't yet captured that again. Mm. To where somebody mm. somebody will start the riff, or if I start the riff, and we can just go with it. Because Well, I think that's that, kind of that's kind of the thing though, right? I mean, part of the thing is you kind of have to know your audience. Mm-hmm. And, and that's one of those things that are, it's tough because if the kind of one of the things I wanted to make sure that we touched, touched on were some of the, the trials and travails that come, come from that mentality. And I think that one of those can be, you have to really trust the people that you're partnered, you're partnering with people. Mm-hmm. So you have to trust them. Mm-hmm. The DM has mm-hmm. to trust the players. The pl- players have to trust the DM. Like I said, that it's not a trap the DM is not trying to trap you into, into looking stupid or silly or trying to kill your character and making it your fault because you came up with a trap that, that killed them or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that uh, to your, to your point, one of the reasons why it just hasn't come up yet is because, you know, it, I think the D and D almost, I, there's nothing in the book that says you can't run it like that, but there's also right. nothing in the book that says that you can, you can. or that you should. And right? how, and mm-hmm. how to and and yeah exactly and how right I, I think maybe mm-hmm. a lot of it comes from you know the past several years I've been so steeped in Adventurers League mm. that you know you have to you have to kind of keep it on a rail. It's a lot harder to you know riff and feel like it's okay to do that when when you know that they're going off to another table. And so maybe that has something, you know, has kind of tainted my my past uh, few campaigns where it was more, I don't know. I, th- I think when we did Storm King's Thunder, I think we riffed a little bit on some stuff. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I I think that, I think, you know, trying to do the whole letting, letting players build an NPC or a tavern or something in the world or what they see was kind of like my way of like, I'm trying to spoon feed that to them so that we can build that trust. Um, Mm -hmm. I have seen, Mm -hmm. you know, several times now in adventures uh, that they, they kind of build on that thought process. Uh, I believe it was James Intercasso wrote an adventure for uh, tomb of annihilation called seller of death. I believe it's on DM's Guild. Awesome adventure. Mm. But the NPC that everybody knows, you build together before you actually start running the game, the running the, the, running the adventure. And they have a list of questions in there. And, and it's like, so you ask one person, is the NPC male or female? Okay. Uh, what race is the NPC? Mm. Okay. You know, and you just keep going around. What class? Mm. What, th- what this? What that? And if, if anybody has an objection, they are allowed to say, wait, 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 wait. No, I want it to be a female, not a male. Why? 
hmm. uh, because of this. And then everybody gets to vote. Okay, fine. It's a female. Cool. And you build mm-hmm. this. And as you're building it, the players are getting you, they're they're starting to buy in. Like like John said earlier, as you're doing that, as you're building the arcade and you're building the owner of the arcade and on all this stuff, it's is ownership. You're grounded in the world now, mm. you, and you and you have a stake. Not just your character. Now you have, you have this thing that you've created with these other four or five people, and it makes it live mm. and breathe and and stuff. So, I think it's super rewarding to riff. You know, riff as often as possible. Let me ask you this: between the two of you, what are your opinions on? Is this an advanced form of play, or is this something that is as easily? Or simply uh, played for even the neophyte to RPGs. Does it make? Would you say that like the traditional dungeon master being the one that's kind of like I'm in control of the story and I've got the rails? Let's do this. See, let me ask you this. Let me, let me, let me. I think that we've really haven't experienced what you just state. Maybe I'm wrong. All right, so so. Mm-hmm. I could be I could be wrong here, but I think we started out right as the dungeon master isn't in charge of the story. The dungeon master is in charge of the dungeon, right? Mm-hmm. And the monsters therein. That's that was the real thing. Is like this is a tactics game, and I'm playing the the enemy, right? Yes, originally, um, yeah. And and I I don't know what year and what era that fully transitioned. I'm sure it was a process, but but then it became a story, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think that we lived that long in story before now we're transitioning from the DM tells a story and at least in some circles being like, Oh, it's collaborative storytelling. I think we're in it now. I think, I think it's happening. I think the transition is actually, yes, I think we're starting to see the shift. But so, so to answer your question, I don't know that it's more difficult except that I think anytime you are in a mindset and you are asked to shift out of that mindset. Mm. There's a difficulty in in transitioning that way. Not even because you're against it, just because there's there's you know neuron pathways and habits and mm-hmm. you know what you're used to and, mental and mu- I think, like mental muscle memory. Yeah, and mm. and how do I prep for a D and D game? Right, blah. You 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 mm. you fall into it, right? Um, so, so I, let me make sure. That, so that you're saying, let me make sure this that I'm. I've got this in my head, right? Are you are you saying that it's it's easier for the the people that are coming into it fresh because they don't have any preconceived notions of what yes. the play actually is? Yeah, I think gotcha. so. Okay. I think that's, oh, that's, that's that's interesting. Yeah, I think it's harder for people. I think it could be harder for people who are used to, like Troy said, the role of the DM is X. Mm-hmm. Um. To then I can see that. relearn that role. Because if you look at the DMG, like right at the very beginning, the dungeon master is the creative force behind a D&D game. The DM creates a world for the other players to explore and also creates and runs adventures that drive the story. And then da 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 talks about the quest and stuff like that. But that there, there's not a whole thing. Like, and then you read on and it doesn't say anything at all about collaboration or yeah. you know shared yeah. narrative or any of the stuff that we like. Of course, this book is what? eight years old now. And mm-hmm. I think a lot has changed in the, in the game in the last eight years since, since five, you started coming out. So now the next question I've got, what, is no. this is a book that is eight years old. Go ahead. Hold on. 
I want to, I want to, I want to give my answer to your question. Hey, I'm sorry. Of, yeah, please of, do. Of, sorry. Of, of, is this an advanced tactic? Yes. This, this is forgotten. This is a forgotten uh-huh. skill because this is how we play as kids. Hmm. You're playing out in the yard, whatever. I'm going to be a knight and I'm going to do this and that. And then Billy says, well, then I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And you riff off of each other. Mm-hmm. Or you, you're playing G.I. Joe's out in the sand pit, you know, whatever. It's not, there's no rules to it. There's not, well, I know the story because they're my G.I. Joe's and I'm just letting you play with mm-hmm. them, you know, kind of a thing. It's you are you're riffing back and forth. You're building the story off of each other. And then as you get older and if you get into role-playing games, suddenly there's rules. Mm. And now you, you kind of like, Oh, okay. I see how this works. Now the DM, the DM is in charge because he's the one or she's the one that builds the world and puts forth Mm. all the stuff and blah, blah, blah. I'm only in charge of my one little character. So, okay. Yeah. There's that, there's that thing. But the, the you know I think it's something that we do to ourselves we we change the way we play from kids to adults the older we mm-hmm. get the more we think we need to have rules so that we can play anything mm-hmm. and well, I've said it before that the longer that a player and a dungeon master plays inside of a a, a system I think I feel like the the more crystallized they become in their thinking and in their mm-hmm. creativity. They think within the the realm of the rules and what's on the character sheet, as opposed to, I love. That's one one of the reasons why I love new players is they don't have the preconceived notions of what right. I can and cannot do as a fighter. It's not it, maybe it is just as simple as I swing my sword and they're happy with that, or they mm. say I swing my sword in a hundred and eighty degree arc and I slice the the job. Like they can do whatever they want to, and they're like, "How do I do that?" Is like the next question they ask. I'm like roll yeah. some dice, man. Let's do this, yep. and not really worry too much about what again maneuvers hit fight dice and all that kind of stuff are mm-hmm. that, it doesn't necessarily get in the way having all those things um but it's uh i think again it's it's one of those things that gets it gets formed it's deeply entrenched in their their play style as they go on yeah uh well i love and and maybe this is Maybe this is a good thing to wrap up on. I love Craig's comment in the in the chat so much. As the DM, my main responsibility is to do the silly goblin voices. The rest is up to you. Yeah, that is great. Um, uh, Gurk's comment of, yes, yes, very wise words. Words to live and, and kill your players by, or player characters by. Um, do you have the confidence to let it ride? Um, that That can be hard. Because you don't know what they're going to come up with. Yeah. You don't know where it's going to and take it, you. But, it I mean, it's scary. It could be scary. But, holy crap, it could be so much fun, too. Mm-hmm. And, and to be it, fair, it does, it does depend upon what you're playing, right? Yeah. Let's be clear. Like, there is a... There, different games offer uh, a different range of riffing that's available to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, within the within the would you say within the confines of the the rules, or just it based on how it's delivered again? Well, and also the narrative, right? Like as an example, if I say we're going, if we all vote that we're going to play Storm King's Thunder, mm-hmm. then we should play Storm King's Thunder, right? In the sense that obviously we can deviate, we can do loops around and whatnot, 
but it's my response. It, it's our responsibility as a table to to move at least eventually from point A to point B to point C, mm-hmm. much more so in Adventurers League where mm-hmm. the riffing can still happen again, yeah, but the happen. riffing is within the boundaries of by the end of this session, the riffing needs to, we need to make sure that the riffing didn't get us too off base to where we can't conclude. We riff our way to the same destination. That's right. right. That's yes. right. Um, so there's definitely, I, I don't know that it's a system thing so much as a, how specific are we doing this narrative, right? It's, it's the framework. Are we telling a story that we all agree to and it happens in a single session like AL? We all have to agree that there's only so much riffing that any of us can manage. Mm. Um, but that's a story thing, not a D&D thing, because I can also start a D&D campaign with just being like, like Troy said, what do you do? You're at, you're at a tavern. What's the name of the tavern? Mm-hmm. No, I agree. I like that. And I think that's, those are wise words to, to pass along to everybody. I think that saying that, it, that it's within the confines of what it is you're trying to accomplish at the table. Are we trying to make like make, have one big improv session where we're all just creating stuff as we go along, or is there a tale, specific tale that we want told? Curse of and Strahd, etc. Yeah. I don't think I think that most players are going to vote for that second one, and mm-hmm. most people in general, right? Like the, the riffing is is important and enjoyable, but people want to tell stories and they want to be a yeah. part of a story. They don't want to bebop around for 30 sessions and not really go anywhere and just kind of goof off every time. Most people don't want that. They want, uh, uh, you know, yeah, we're having fun, but Hey, we got somewhere. Hooray. Right. Well, and that's actually, that was what my, my, my wrap up was going to be on that in that as much as my players have enjoyed the last four sessions of tales from the loop, they're only like three quarters of the way through the, a, the story, which really should have been wrapped up in two sessions. Yeah. And at the end of every session, they're like, Oh my God, we didn't get anything done, <laughs> but they had a blast. But at the same time, they want to have a blast and they want to do those things, but they also want progression in a story that they know is like already there somewhere. Mm-hmm. But they know that it's like, this is an hour and a half to two an hour, two hour long movie that we're supposed to be making. And we just snidered <laughs> the crap out of this thing and made it into a four hour. It's a Netflix series now. <laughs> it's a Netflix series. Yeah, exactly. So I, I can see that, right? It kind of, I, not that it necessarily gets out of control, but it is one of those things that you have to kind of wrestle with the, what you're trying yep. to accomplish at the same time. Yeah. Yep, yep. I like that. Well, cool. <laughs> uh, that was a good episode. I enjoyed that. Um, yep. Let's, let's call it, let's, let's call it good there for now. Um, Shall we give a little preview of what's coming up next? Um, we could do that, right? Uh, yeah, here at the end. All right. So, um, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. Uh, I think we're going to talk about Paladins next. So we'll see yes. if that goes. We haven't done one of those in a while where we talk about a class or a subclass uh, for an extended period of time. So we'll uh, we'll give that a go. And then we got a fun one and maybe we'll, you know, depending on, you know, sometimes on Sundays we do the crazy one. So maybe Paladins will be next week's Tuesday episode, Mm -hmm. Um, but we'll see. I'm looking forward to that one. Dissecting Mm -hmm. the Paladin. That's right. Let's see. Let's see what, what juicy insides they have. Shall we? Is there anything you want to say, John, since Troy can't say anything in his defense? Is there anything you want to say to Troy or against Troy or, uh, you know? I think Troy's beard is really overrated. That's what I think. Mm. Mm. 
Well, that makes two of us. He may not be able to hear me either because uh, his face is not he's not he's not giving me the face that I want whenever I say something like that. So he'll have to. I, I'll be. I'm sure he'll hear this in post whenever he's go. editing it. Maybe never mind. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> ah, he's watching it on the on the live stream right now. I it love you, Troy. Me. Your your beard is glorious. You you know I you know I love your beard. <laughs> but we can hear him in Discord. Not yes, in, we can hear him in Discord. We're, we're getting noodly. Hey, uh, thank you, Troy. Thank you, John. Thank you to Craig and Girk and um, uh, Ulysses and everybody else that was hanging out in chat. Bear Droid, um, y'all are awesome. Really appreciate it. We got a lot of people lurking in the background as well. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks a lot, folks. And we're probably going to call it here. So we'll see you next time. All right. Uh, For Troy and for John, uh, have great games and stay safe, everybody. And ha ha ha, Troy can't say anything. Good night. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening. If you like this episode and you want to continue the conversation with us, go ahead and head on over to our Discord. There's a link in the show notes, and you can always shoot us a message on Facebook to get a link there as well. Uh, while you're at it, if you wouldn't mind, give us a like on Facebook, give us a subscription over here on your podcast feed, uh, give us a review and some stars while you're at it. That would be awesome. That's the way we get in front of more people. And if you want to watch a live show, we're live almost every Sunday and Tuesday on Twitch and YouTube, and you can find links to all of that right there in the Discord. We'll see you next time.